your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan following Everton's, I'll I'll go ahead and say it, rather boring and very disappointing nil-nil draw against Watford at C at Vicarage Road. It was Watford's first point at Vicarage Road since November against Manchester United. They had lost 11 consecutive home matches. As you already know, they've been relegated, nothing to play for. On the other hand, dare I put a positive spin on this before Ryan, who is very fired up, goes off, but Everton have lost just one of their last six. One three, drawn two, picking up as many points in those six matches as in their previous 22. With that, and before we get into the instant match reactions, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, preferably five stars. Um, and if you want to follow us on social media, you can find all of our links at linktr.ee slash Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Those will all be in the description. And with that, Ryan, over to you. Lay it on me. They're terrible. They're absolutely awful. It's an awful performance. Had a great chance, I mean, to, to beat a team that was terrible. Um, that had basically their B and C guys out there. Basically, almost lock in most fear relegation. Thank goodness Leeds lost because we did ourselves no favors. And so, no, I don't see anything positive whatsoever about gathering a point in this match. I'm not happy about it. And the way it was, the way it went down, I thought it was flipping awful. Uh, I hated almost every second of this match. There you go. That's my reaction. Yeah, I hated basically all of it as well. At the end, I was feeling just kind of dead inside, if I'm totally honest. It was depressing that. You look at this Everton side galvanized in theory off the back of two consecutive wins to come up and put this type of away display with the support shown by the away fans to put that effort in and not even the effort, but the tactical setup, the execution against a Watford side who at full strength are objectively horrific. The 11 consecutive home defeats haven't kept a clean sheet at home all season. We gifted them that and we looked completely inept in pretty much every respect other than the very few times Watford threatened, you know, we didn't concede. So I'm leaving the match. You know, we, we got a point. Our fate is still in our hands, but this was a golden, golden opportunity and our most winnable fixture remaining to effectively secure our place in the Premier League for next season. And we dropped the ball. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, I, I, I can't pin any sort of positive on this whatsoever. Uh, not surprising. We had no score predictions, right? Not a single one today. We went from 14 to zero. Okay. Let's talk about how bad this Watford lineup truly is and how let's bad do they are. Yeah. Let's really. Okay. So we already talked, they've lost six straight. We mentioned they haven't won at home in, in 11. Uh, they won once since February. Um, Nakia out there. He's just a kid. Uh, Cavalesi, Messina, Kayembe. These guys all have under a thousand minutes. Uh, they really don't play that much. Thirty-two-year-old Dan Gosling was playing. Let let me that starting starting James. He's played twenty-two minutes in the Premier League this year. Sema is normally they bring him off the bench. He's only had four starts. He's in there too. And the fans have basically turned on the manager. No one showed up. They're already relegated. It's basically all Everton fans singing like maniacs the entire time. I mean, this is truly as bad a team as we will play 
not just this year, maybe in multiple years. I would argue that Borum Wood was a more difficult opponent. At least they had something to play for. They were fired up and were in form. I mean, that's how bad this team is. You're looking at it. Like, I, I just, it, it's just, um, that's why it's so irritating to me. People keep making comparisons like, well, we struggled with Norwich before, and this team beat us 5-2. to two. This team did not beat us 5-2. to two. None of those guys are in this team. Are you kidding me? With all the injuries they have, it's a, it's, it's a terrible lineup, and um, there's no other way around it. What can I say? And, you know, I would have thought maybe, maybe you might have changed some things to the Everton lineup to, to – Maybe keep them fresh or not, but okay. I mean, I, I it was as strong a lineup pretty much as we could put out, right? Yeah, I mean, again, an unchanged lineup for the third consecutive game. The previous two, we were able to win against a decimated Watford. We played three days ago. You'd think that you might consider doing some squad rotation. It really calls into question how much faith or trust Frank puts into the guys off the bench, and we'll get into the substitute discussion later. Um, but I guess I guess the one thing that stuck out to me was Mikolenko after coming off as a substitute at the weekend did keep his place. So, you know, that is again, looking through the dirt for that little speck of gold. Mikolenko being fit is the only positive really there, but you know, the bench, you've got options on there. Dominic Calvert-Lewin still not able to make his way into the starting lineup. You've got a lawn. Obviously we would see him. You've got Deli Ali, Andre Gomez, etc. But that's that's the lineup that has gotten us six points in the last two matches. Um, in the formation, you know, playing against Leicester and Chelsea are very different opponents than a Watford team who have, by all accounts, nothing to play for. And as you said, you know, their fans didn't show up. Their manager, after getting relegated, went and clapped the Crystal Palace fans. And you know, Roy Hodgson, obviously former Palace manager, like. This is a team that is sleepwalking into this match in theory and should be ripe for the taking, and we dropped the ball. We just dropped it. I think, uh, frankly, I think Lampard got the tactics pretty off. So, look, you mentioned the Chelsea-Leicester matches. I think there were very good reasons for us playing this 5-4-1 against them. I think leaving Alex Iwobi as kind of a free-roaming right wing back to basically shut down Alonso was smart against Chelsea and very effective. I mean, we've shown, we've seen that how hard Alex Iwobi works. And he's physical enough to deal with guys like that and was effective. And I think against Leicester, even though he kind of had a rough first half, when they brought in Barnes, I think that was probably the intent of that tactic as well against them. And he did a good job shutting him down. He's a very good player. So if that's the case, okay, fine. What was the impetus for the 5-4-1 today? Just to keep it the same? I keep hearing people telling me, well, okay, well, maybe he didn't want to change. All right, I guess I get that a little bit. But he also played 4-1-4-1-4-3-3 the entire month of April. And, I mean, that's how we played against Manchester United and Liverpool. So it's not a matter of pragmatism. So I think that's what some people are confusing when I say I think he got the tactics wrong. I have no problem with him being pragmatic on the road, even against this pathetic opponent. I really don't have a huge problem with that. What I do have a problem is the structure itself. I don't see the logic behind the setup. Um I, frankly, I don't want to Wobi out there anyway unless he has to shut down someone defensively. And I'm going to tell you right now, my guess is he wasn't out there to put a lockdown on Dan Gosling. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going out on a limb. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, James, you saw the same thing as I did tactically looking at positions. 
where, where Charleston was just isolated for for most of the first half, for sure. He was, and and you know the average shape's a little misleading because you had you know Gordon and Gray switching sides pretty frequently, but there's just an absolute chasm in between really Richarlison in the midfield. And you saw that reflected in the play. You saw far too often Decore pinned back, uh, Delph very far, just chasms of space and Richarlison having to chase down balls in the air. And again, the relentless hoofball from Jordan Pickford, which if you set up to play hoofball and you put Rondon in there, you can at least see the the rationale, but you're, you're wasting his best attributes by just having him chase stuff down in the air. And... There, you know, look at what. And on the other hand, Watford shape they packed it in the middle and forced us wide and put ten men behind the ball, and we were never really looking like at any point that we wanted to play with any kind of pace. And they were just set up, and we couldn't break them down really effectively at any point. I mean, it reminded me very much of when Benitez would put Rondon so isolated up yep. top that. You'd hoof it up to him, but there was no one there to win a second ball because of that gap. It was the gap. My problem is the gap. Like we actually countered a couple times off them and almost created some things, but you shouldn't have to play off the counter against this team for heaven's sakes. I mean, this is like a B side man at best. So what I had the biggest problem with is the shape in possession. You basically had Gordon and gray way too wide at times. The fullbacks kind of pulled up to support them. So they couldn't fill in the gaps. And even if you wanted to, I don't want those guys playing down the middle anyway. I mean, are either of those guys really a half-space player? Gray can sneak in there and shoot and score every now and then, but he's not really in form. So I, I just don't like it. I mean, DeCorey and Delphi really don't need twin defensive mids to control the match. And that's really, really what it was. Um, and a lot of it was, frankly, personnel decisions, too. We had some individuals that were very wasteful. But look, I mean, I thought our attack was relatively balanced. I mean... Watford, they attacked 43% down the right side. I guess I could see that a little bit, but let's be honest. Watford didn't attack effectively really much at all. I mean, almost everything came from set pieces. You look at the shot distribution. I mean, they were in and out of the 18-yard box. I mean, most of ours were inside the 18. We probably could have taken a few more shots other than a couple pathetic long-range efforts. But I, I just think you just looked at the way the game played out and... The first 45 minutes in particular, I just thought were tactically flawed. And I cannot believe he never adjusted, really, until later in the second half. And and I want to go, we'll talk when we get in the second half of the timeline about those adjustments, which I didn't even think those are the right ones. But I just thought in particular the setup, the initial setup was, I mean, we could have played 100 minutes that way. It would have never scored from open play, in my opinion. That's at least what I saw. I, I really think the system itself was flawed. Not necessarily the pragmatism. It's just the setup and where players were on the pitch. That's all it really was, in my opinion. That's what I saw. And that, it, and I just kept seeing it over and over again, and that's probably what irritated me the most. And I'm inclined to agree with the, the idea that the, this setup is never going to score. But I'm also thinking, like, going into this match, okay, this is a golden opportunity. This is also Everton. Everton loved to squander golden opportunities. And I don't know... If you can say definitively that, hey, if we changed, not maybe, maybe, okay, you put Alex Iwobi at the 10, you play a back four or something like that. I don't think you can say that that inherently means we're going to win the match, right? You could look in hindsight, but we have proven to be so inept and incapable of breaking teams down that want to sit back. I mean, you look at, I think I, I saw a graphic that we are second among teams outside the top six in points against teams currently in the top six. And we're like, Against teams outside of the top six, 
We've dropped points all season consistently. I think we're like basically bottom. It's why we are where we are essentially. It's because we don't beat the bad teams. And so if we haven't figured out the formula yet, I, I think it's a big ass to say this was the day that we were going to figure it out and all of a sudden become good. That said, this is, as you pointed out earlier, the worst team we've played all season. And I just don't see the point of the format. That's the thing. Like, I got it against Chelsea. I got it against Leicester. I just don't I don't see it here other than just continuing the way you were. But, okay, I digress. Um, before we get into the timeline, too, how about a quick little break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to it. Let's get into the timeline here. It is a rather short one because, you know, not a ton of eventful things, but there were some moments, I think, in both halves that are worth mentioning. 14th minute, we come in. This was when Anthony Gordon had that beautiful flick past the defender. And this is this is Anthony Gordon to a T. In a nutshell. This is exactly Anthony Gordon. Unbelievable move to beat his man, get open, has all the time in the world. Uses the Sprints pace for, to get out in the yep. open field. Gone. Boom. He's got options in the box, and what does he do? He holds on to it too long, takes an extra touch, and gets the cross blocked. Very poor from Anthony in that moment. So frustrating to see the potential. You see it. You see it. It's just like right under the surface, and then he just does the thing that kid. reminds you that he's 20 years old and he makes a bad mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But again, he, Frank's putting him out there. So I, I don't, everyone's saying, oh, he should play, he should play all the time and stuff. But how, you can't, you know, you got to produce something eventually for heaven's sakes. I mean, is he, he has, does he finally get an assist from open play this year? Like, he's not creating much. He's just not. Um, we'll get to his numbers at the end of this one, but I thought he was incredibly wasteful virtually the whole match. Can we talk about the 18 minute, uh, the Holgate yellow card? You mean the clean tackle? That was inexplicably a yellow card? Yes. I mean, I saw the angle from the back, and maybe he thought he kind of scissored his legs a little bit, but, like, talk about inconsistent. I just, every week, James, every week it's something. This was mind-boggling. And, the by the way, the fact that we even bring it up like that was an event in the first half, I think. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You could say, yeah. uh, you could <sighs> say, maybe he didn't have a good angle, or maybe Mike Dean just sucks, man. He's just a bad ref, and it was not the first or the last. It was, was not the first or the last bad decision he would make on the day, but it's also Mason Holgate. I don't really even think he needs to go to ground there, so, you know, but whatever. It was a little silly. It, it's we Mason Holgate. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, classic well, we, Holgate we had, as well. It is. We had enough. Yeah, I mean, he's rash by nature. I mean, some, maybe it's reputation. I don't know. I, I can't imagine he has one at this point. Um, in the 22nd minute, uh, this is a really interesting play where Richarlison dropped back into the line, which, yeah, because there's massive space there. It was kind of off a quick counter. And um, he plays a Wobi through, which is uh, not something you see Richarlison do too often, but it was really a lovely ball, lovely play. Wobi gets to the end of it. Um, I don't even know why he was making that run, but he did make the run, got there. I think he should have shot the darn thing, but he pulled up, as he's prone to do. I mean, he would rather create than shoot and score. Um, I don't know if he was waiting for Minkalinko for a little bit on the far end. Then he tried to play it back in, and yeah, he just slams it right off someone. No one was there to begin with, and it, it just it, it typified the day. You know, you get into a spot and really don't create much because we were disjointed. And and look, you know, I'd love to follow up for the rest of this timeline in the first half with all these other chances, but there really weren't that many. Watford had a handful of set-piece chances. I want to say probably three okay set pieces from dangerous spots but really nothing too terribly dangerous and i mean james am i missing anything that pretty much got us to halftime yeah it was very very dull for the remainder and it felt like every time we got you know 
we had an okay amount of the ball. We finished the first half. Is that 47% Watford actually had more possession, which kind kind of surprising to me, but it felt like we had the ball in their final third quite a bit and were just kind of toying around with it, weren't sure what to do, and had a lot of Anthony Gordon and or Damari Gray standing with the ball at their feet, or Wobi in particular, who would get up, even though not really expected of him, and be completely isolated and seem like everyone else was sort of waiting for them to do something before reacting. Yeah, I don't like Alex on the right, frankly, because I think he's limited in what he can do from out there. Uh, basically, he's forced to playing a square ball or a cross. Everyone says he can't cross. He actually crossed the ball pretty well today, uh, but no one could get on the end of it. It was just didn't play out that way. So anyway, um, in the second half, we came out with the same lineup, and uh, I thought we might see a change at halftime. We didn't. Um why did you and, think that? <laughs> Just well, out of curiosity. I mean, he's made one before. Because it was that bad, man. It was that bad. No one could have watched that first 45 minutes and thought everything was hunky-dory or that things would magically get better by putting the same type of attack out there. Now, they loosened up a little bit in the second half. But before we kind of get into that, like I would have thought he might consider going to play four one four one in defense and, and 4-3-3 and moving Awobi into the 10 spot. I, I mean... I would have done that. I would have probably started that way. Um, anyway, uh, you know, in the 52nd minute was one of our best chances. Awobi off a throw in. And if you notice, every one of our chances has Awobi did this because it was basically the game. Everyone's standing around watching Alex Awobi try and do something. It's like, get the ball right because everything's forced wide because we can't go down the middle. And Alex try and do something. I mean, that was basically it. And do um, something crazy. Do something crazy. Do something crazy. Meg, he did Meg someone at least today. Um, he had a great lock croquetta at one point, too. I was like, darn, that was Sean Conway crazy yeah. in the Discord. It was sick, actually, to his credit. And it will be played pretty well. But look, in this example, throw-in, which is still weird to watch him take throw-ins. Um, Richarlison gets a guy in his hip. Terrible defending. Waltzes into the 18. Hits a shot. Gets deflected. Ben Foster makes a heck of a save on this one, though. I mean, you got to give him credit for this. It's a deflected shot. This is the one that... Out of pure volume, you would hope something might go in, and it it just didn't. Um, and I, I don't know about when, James, but I feel like we started to change a little bit of the shape. You know, we we, we stayed in the five four one, but I think Frank decided to push both the Wobie and Mikalinko up a little bit higher. And I think his solution to solving that gap between the midfield and the center forward was to kind of pinch Gray and Gordon in the middle. Um, but I and push to Corey a little bit higher, but I don't like that because I don't think Gray and Gordon you want in there. You want them staying in the wide spaces. I just would rather have Alex Awobi in a half space than than an Anthony Gordon. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel great. You know, Demar Gray is good with the ball at his feet at pace. Anthony Gordon dangerous at pace, but when they're in space receiving the ball at a standstill and trying to accelerate out of there, not I, the same. It's not the same effect. It's not. It's not really what we want to see, and in the 61st minute, we got, I think, far and away our best chance of the match. This was a very slick, again, from Alex Iwobi, playing Damari Gray in. It was actually, I think, a give-and-go, starting with Gray to Iwobi, back to Gray. Gray pokes at it with his left foot or his right foot, and he hits it kind of in a way where it's curling, and it ends up wide of the left post. Chance of the match. That one went wide, and I was like, it's that type of day. We're either going to lose or this one's going to end nil-nil. He had a lot of goal in that one, too. Yes, he I did. Mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that one looked like it had a chance. I, I think in between, two, we had a Gordon long-distance shot that just basically dribbled to the keeper. Gray had another one that he flubbed to the right. And I, Delph, after Gray took the one, looked at him like, what are you doing, man? Like, control the ball. Like, you don't need to settle for a 25. I know I know he has it in his, in his you know, in his toolkit there sometimes, but, you know, we're not. <laughs> He's got to get we one don't... off a game. He's got to get at least one of those shots. I guess so. Both those guys got to get their heads up. Um, and you know the sad part is I, the set pieces were absolute garbage today too. Yep. Now Gray had a couple decent ones. Gordon's were horrid, um, but they weren't great. I mean, you know, we'll get to the corner stats. I mean, they weren't good either. So finally, we come into the seventy seventh minute. We wait till the seventy seventh minute to make us up. So. We sub in Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Damari Gray. I'm all for subbing Gray off at this point. I don't know how you felt. Why did we wait 77 minutes to make a sub? You were off. You were down for the Damari Gray sub at after like half an hour. Because he was dogging it, James. Like he was? I, he was not working hard, to, in my opinion. And I look, I'm not... You know what he lacked? Spirit! There you go. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, I thought he was dogging. I don't think he was working hard enough. And he was tired, then he shouldn't have played. Yeah. Um, I, we don't, we didn't need him to play in that role, especially once you're pinching him inside. Like what good is he there? So, so theoretically I get the sub, right? Dominic Calvert-Lewin goes yeah. up top. Makes sense. Pinches Richarlison in a little bit, right? I mean, he's dangerous as scoring. Were you concerned that Dominic Calvert-Lewin just isn't fit though at all though? You know what I mean? In a way, I'm confused Would why. Would you gone with Rondon instead maybe? I, I mean, I. Is that really where we're at right now, Ryan? That we're talking about that as like. Yeah, that's we a legit be. conversation. Is he really that unfit that he can be named on the bench in like five consecutive matches but not see the pitch? If he's not fit, don't put him on the bench. Um, in my opinion, you know, if you're fit, you're on the bench. He should come on. And I actually thought, all things considered, he did okay. He definitely still can jump, uh, as Wakefield on our Discord pointed out as his analysis. Still jumps pretty <laughs> good, um, but... At that point, it's it's too little, too late. You can't get into the flow of a game in the 77th minute. Not that this game had really any flow whatsoever to speak of, but it's hard to get involved. And even when you know your strategy is pass it back to Jordan Pickford and let him hoof it as long as possible, uh, just Ugh. not really his game. Though he was in some good positions. There was the one cross uh, where he was kind of looking to make a run into the box. But so long story short, it was a good sub. Too late again. You're you need this win. It it just felt there's there's so little urgency from from the manager, the tactical setup, to the players on the pitch. It just felt very lifeless um, throughout, and that sub I think typified that. Yeah, we had another play kind of right after that where Dominic Calvert-Lewin kind of swatted someone off him. The ball came eventually over to Wobi, plays to Corey, and another beautiful little slip pass. Yep, the Corey just a poor shot. You know, muffed it. It just. It seemed like it wasn't our day at that point. Um, and then we had another sub. This one I found kind of curious. Maybe we're just managing Delph's workload, but Alon in for Fabian Delph. I don't know if this really had much of an impact at all. What do you think? Yeah, I understand getting Delph off. Played a lot of minutes lately. Yeah. Amazed that he didn't come off earlier injured, if I'm being completely honest. But I, I agree it doesn't really change the game too much, I think. Earlier on, if you wanted to to play Alon and Delph and really try to control the ball in possession, I could see that maybe making sense. But you're not expecting Alon to come on and you know score a worldie or necessarily get a game changing assist. And 
he didn't. I mean, still second subs made in the eighty-first minute. Uh, what time did we yeah. make the third sub, James? Do you remember? Did we? Uh, let me uh, let me check the thing. Oh, right, we didn't make one again. Uh, again. All right. So, all right, eighty-seventh minute. Mikalinko has kind of another opportunity where he breaks in and just a completely terrible weak shot. Gordon Cross an extra time, nothing, a little chip, and then the most fitting play of the of the evening was in the ninety fourth minute <laughs> at the death. Anthony Gordon taking the corner, skies it over absolutely everyone. I just thought that was just perfect. We end full time zero zero. Watford does not have a shot from open play. They had six attempts, all offset pieces, according to who scored. And our XG philosophy has put Watford's fantastic offensive output at. 0.25, but I don't know if that's even worse than Everton's, if you think about it. Playing against this team managed a balmy 1.07. A true I thriller. Mean, Premier League, best 16 league in the shots. World. Great product. 16 shots, 9 shots from open play. I mean, the corners were 13 to 1, but I mean, Damari Gray took 8 of them. Gordon, 4, Awobi, 3, but my God, that's one of the worst displays of corner attempts. I... It's just, we were just bad all around, James. I don't know what to say. I mean, I can't say enough negative things about us, frankly, after <laughs> tonight. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm still stewed. I just think this is such a big opportunity against such a bad team, and that's what we put forth. I, I just, I'm frustrated. I mean, Ben Foster ends with five saves. He shouldn't even get credit for four of them because they were hospital balls hit either directly at him or no pace whatsoever. The one he made again on the Richarlison shot, I'll tip my good cap. Save. That was a that was a good save. But yeah, you know, sixteen shots, nine from open play, and yet it never felt like we were even remotely likely to score besides that great chance that when that went wide, like I said, that was that was the game in a nutshell. Um the corners incredibly wasteful. Sure, we we don't have Yerry Mina in there, but we've got Michael Keane. We've got Big bodies that guys that can win aerials, and yet you guys can't win aerials if you're either hitting the first man every time or hitting it outside the 18 on the backside with every time. At least generate a shot or two. Yeah, I mean we generated so little off those. I I just, you know, it is what it is. So Frank had some things to say post match, and I was kind of curious what he was going to say. You threw a couple of his quotes here in the doc. A couple of these are completely mystifying to me, to be perfectly honest, though. Oh well, we'll get into it. He said. uh, I can't remember who he was talking to, but he says similar things in kind of all of them, the post-matches. He says, we'll take the point. We're not our best in the final third, uh, you think. Thought we were pretty good. Not many chances against. Maybe missing a little bit in the legs from the weekend. And so... Oh, that one just burns me up. Like, really? Like, yeah. really he had the audacity to say that? Um, so, all the changes he made from the weekend uh, I in the lineup, do we... Oh, oh, he didn't make any. I wonder how many subs did he use? How Two. many subs did he use? And when did he Two. make the first one? 77th. I how, can say how can you say something like that, though, James? I mean, seriously. Like, I mean, come on, come, Frank. But, but, if you're really concerned on, Ryan, that your like, legs... Well, it's... I'm sorry, man. If you're concerned about there were going to be a legs issue and that's what you were watching, make a sub. I agree, but you got to acknowledge it. It's a media thing. It's the spin. What's what's he gonna say? Like I should have made a should have made extra subs. He obviously should have, but I don't think he really thinks that that's a problem because he continues to make two subs game after game. And I don't. In our last little streak, he seemed that he was making him earlier. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
I don't know. And then he went on to say regarding the final matches, again, you know, trying to keep, I think, the positivity flowing. And some people definitely have bought into this. And to some extent, I have. But he said, it's the way he frames it is, is a little strange. He oh, says, we dry- don't know yeah. exactly what we have to do. Depends on other results. These two home games, we kind of know what will get us there. Does that sound like a guy who feels emboldened and ready to seal their Everton's place in the Premier League? Because it sounds like kind of wishy-washy to me. Like, eh, you know, it depends how things go. We'll feel it out. We'll see we'll how see. it goes. You know, hey. She's a little non-committal. Play a couple home games. I mean, look, Frank deserves a lot of credit for, you know, the last couple of victories. He does. 100%. I thought he set us up pretty well. Um, I actually thought the best job he did was setting us up against Liverpool. Um, that was more of a momentary kind of lapse of concentration by Coleman that led to that first goal. That kind of irks me, but that's not a Frank. You know, you can't do anything about that. But yeah, what kind of talk is this, man? Like, just weird. It's just, it's just very strange. But but look, I mean, not all of it is on Frank. I, I really think the first half and the setup was very much on him, though. Uh, some of his adjustments in the second half were necessary and okay it's maybe not what i would have done but he clearly recognized the issue and adjusted you know accordingly to try and take advantage and exploit what was there but they just kept packing it in more and more and it just got more difficult there were some good performances but there were some bad ones and i can't blame frank for those unless you could argue he should have subbed the people out earlier but to me uh an obvious positive performance was alex awobi for sure yeah, we were leaning on him very heavily. I think he finished with 87 touches, which was about 20 more than the next highest person. Uh, five key passes, which I think we had six. Everyone else combined had six or something like that. couple dribbles, um, more attacking third passes, 19 for 25 in attacking third passes, five for six in crosses, 13 ball recoveries. That's preposterous. And five for 11 in tackles. Than any all of those more than any other player on the pitch. Um, that's from Mozo Football. I mean, a staggering stat line, all for nothing. But for a player, you know, <coughs> it's never great to be quote unquote man of the match in a performance like this. But you'd have to have to argue that he deserves it. People need to stop. I mean, swears people still is anyone still complaining about this guy at this point? I think My I think people have turned on him, which I'm pleased to see. Turned in a good way because he. Not, well, he puts in the effort. Like, that's my thing. I never understood ever, you know, telling a player they stink or the worst player they've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. As long as they're putting in the effort. You know what I mean? You can't help how good or bad you are necessarily, but you can work hard. He's certainly doing that. Five or six acrosses is pretty impressive. Um, there's a quote here from Cakey at Baron Von Cake. There's a lot to unpack on that one. Um, but <laughs> his comment is, I only think it was wasted due to the players around him. Not much spark or movement. I think we needed fresh legs and ideas from the start, but still one point gained. His point is in reference to Awobi because I kind of made this comment. It was kind of wasted because he was playing at right wing back. And I agree. I mean, creating more chances than everyone is great, but God, I can't help but think if he had the ball that many touches in the middle of the pitch, he would have created more clear-cut scoring chances. Now, don't get me wrong. It might not have mattered because a couple of his partners in crime were just awful, but I just... You know, I just couldn't help but think that he was maybe uh, could have been the difference maker. But that being said, who's he feeding? Uh, Richarlison, maybe if he had some good chances, could have put one away. But can we talk about Gordon and Gray now? Yeah, I suppose we can get into that. We had Steve Dow at Steve Dow one. 
point out in his instant match reaction that the final ball from Gordon and Gray was abysmal. And Steve could not agree more. Anthony Gordon, not a single key pass, one for seven in crosses. Damari Gray, six turnovers, four for ten in crosses. I think Anthony Gordon took four corners. Damari Gray took eight or so. Pleasure rate's poor. Accuracy's poor. And I don't think, besides that one glimpse of the, the Pacey Anthony Gordon that we saw in the first half, both of them were very ineffective. Just wasteful, James. That was the thing. And, and the thing is, Damari Gray can look so dangerous at times. He's so clever with the ball. He's such a good athlete. But right now, I mean, you know, he slowed us down a couple times, too, and that kind of drives me crazy. But I, I thought he I thought he had some initiative today when he had the ball. Um, I hated his attempts on defense. I thought he was absolute dogging it today. I, I just I don't understand why you wait till the 77th minute to sub these guys. And I don't understand why Anthony Gordon is immune to being subbed out today. I don't get that at all. I mean, I thought he was once you pinch him on the inside, like you said, I, I just don't think he's as dangerous. Um thought we had another issue with long balls again. We had some people that were very good at it. Um, it was nice to see Holgate only take four. He was two of four today. But the Pickford, Pickford was eight of 25. I think his passing accuracy was under 50% again. I, I just, I don't understand why we think that's a good idea. I mean, you're playing down to basically an opponent, especially when you're just hoofing it up to Richarlison. I think Richie had nine aerial wins today, which is phenomenal as a number, right? But Coleman was one of seven. I just too much Keen was a little off today three of eights not horrendous but not great I I just think those are just handing the ball over to them you know what I mean even if they weren't dispossessing us immediately those are like the unforced error and I just kind of wonder with just a few more chances a little better ball retention maybe we break them down a little bit better who knows I'm not saying this is the sole reason but you look at it it's like that being said Fabian Delph was 10 for 14 the dude can. I mean, the guy can pass. Put it on man. a sixpence, as they say. Impressive, though. I mean, I, didn't you feel a little bit like that was kind of wasteful, just sending him the ball? Well, you know, there was the one play. I can't remember exactly when it was, and I can't remember who the pass went to, but it was off of a Watford pseudo attack, and Pickford picked it up and very quickly fired it out, and we had a little bit of a break. I think it was to Richarlison, and we get on the break, and like when you're playing long balls like that, and it triggers an attack it's like I, a little I different makes sense when you are hoofing it up to richarlison who's standing in the middle of five watford defenders who have then four more defenders right behind them like what what does that accomplish even if he wins it there's no one there for the second ball because we still have that huge gap yep so it's very questionable what the other than to get the ball out of our final third and hopefully that we get a bounce and then all of a sudden we can piece something together it doesn't seem to be part of like a larger cohesive tactical plan. And that is going against a team like Watford, who you need to figure out a way to pick apart. This didn't feel like the way to do it. Look, he's got short time of preparation too. I get it. You know, maybe you can't really put into a system that's a massive change in play, but I still also don't think it's too complicated to get on the ball a little bit more. And and I think just building out from the back a little bit, but again, you know, if you're not structured to do that because the last two matches, Maybe we'll cut Frank a little bit of a break, but I, I, I still to. think, yeah, I, I still, so I can forgive a little bit of that, but I just think structurally the system and the way that we were positioned on the pitch is still a big mistake. I think that's a lot easier to fix changing locations and kind of positions and areas than a style of play. So I, I, I guess I could see that versus the other. Um, we have a lot of good 
comments, I think, from our listeners if we want to get into them, unless you have some final words. No, I think I think we'll get into it over the course of the comments. And we had some really good uh, dialogue on our Discord as well, invite.gg slash ATP, if you're not already in there. But Sean Kahn, who was part of the Discord discussion, but also tweeted to us, this is kind of a, a synopsis of the conversation, said, or in his opinion, frustrating game, but not surprising. Understand Frank's tactics for this are being questioned, but think it was a combination of continuity and him believing we couldn't break them down. Typical Everton that game. Do believe we will get enough points from the next two for safety. So a couple things. Mr. Optimism. Mr. Optimism, which I love. And I agree. He's been that way. Hey, he's been consistent. I mean, I got I gotta give Sean credit. And like I get the continuity. You don't want to shake things up. You may not trust the guys that you have on the bench, your options. Clearly he has very little trust or faith in Deli Ali, even though I guess he by all accounts, was one of the biggest advocates for bringing him in in the first place, and he can't get a game to save his life. And I think believing we, he, we couldn't break them down is a part of it. But also, I think if your manager is looking at that Watford side and thinking, oh, we don't have enough to, to put one past these guys, then that's that's not great, Ryan. Truly not uh, yeah, great. And, and look, I, I think we had a good dialogue in the Discord. You know, I... I'm apologizing to my Pittsburgh brethren, Roland, too, because I kind of let him have a little bit on the Discord because I felt like he wasn't listening to my opinions. But what I was trying to say is it's not a matter of being pragmatic. I think being pragmatic was okay. I just think the setup was off. But I, but I think Jeremiah and Sean Con went back and forth in a pretty reasonable manner on, you know, wow, we thought we just got it wrong today. Now, that being said, though, I could see a perspective that's this is on Frank, and I think Jocko hits it. I, I kind of... I got to admit, man, I feel a little bit what he's saying. And he said, totally on Frank alone. Set up for a draw against Watford Reserves, hoping Goodison Factor will get us home up next. We now play three informed teams where we are not favorites in any of them. The extra two points from this game keeps us up. We may not get another point now. And yeah, I think that's that's very valid. If it weren't for... You you just want to do it yourself. You don't want to rely. Now we're counting on hopefully Leeds losing at the weekend and somehow we get a point against Brentford, which would more or less put us in a position where we're safe. But this would have put more or less put the nail in the coffin outright, and it's hard not to feel disappointed with how it played out, knowing what was at stake and what continues to be at stake now when it could have been sleeping very well tonight. Yeah, I, I just think Mina's out. You know, that's a huge loss for us. And I can't help but sit there and look at this and think three points here should have been. We're not going to have an easier match than this. The next three are much harder, in my opinion. This this to me was the one where you needed to come out there and bury these guys. And I just I just don't get it. I, I just think it was worth the risk of taking. I don't think there was much risk anyway. And it irritates me because I think you put us on you know, two more points I mean, Leeds would have to do better than a win and a tie to knock us out. I think it's pretty, and I'm not saying it's over, but it could have been, it could be over next week. You know what I mean? So like that, I just watched that and I'm like, how can you, and I, some people seemed happy with the draw or okay with the draw. I just, I cannot wrap my head around that, James. Well, I think, you know, speaking from, I guess my own perspective, not to speak for anybody else, but you know, thinking back two weeks ago or whatever, following the Burnley match, it was like staring down a bottomless pit of despair. And now we've picked up seven points in our last three matches and the situation is objectively better than it was. And so 
I, I can see why people after such a long depressing season are clinging to that shred of optimism where at least now we don't have to hope that leads like lose the rest of their games. We have some modicum of control over how things can go. We control our own fate and a point puts us too clear of the relegation zone, which again, isn't super reassuring, but I digress here. Let's get into the rest of the comments because I think, you know, a lot of people pointing the fingers at Frank Lampard, which I think is, is fair enough. We had Steven Williams at Steve M. Williams said Lampard failed that test tonight. Watford dot, 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 especially that Watford side were there for the taking. Keeping a Wobie as a wingback all night was just stupid. Different formation equals different results. That I don't know about, but I understand the thought process. Pressure on our next two home games now. I can't argue with that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way. And different formation equals different results. I, I, you know, I got to say this. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. I do, mm. but, but all right, let, let's, let's move on. Say fine. That's not the case. I'm not so sure that subbing earlier, playing the same formation and making some changes wouldn't have produced a different result. Like I, I think if you put Rondon up top or, or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I, I'm not against the Dominic Calvert-Lewin sub and you've got Richarlison and a Wobie behind him. I feel very differently, you know, and that's not a formation change. That just means someone else goes out to the right. Um, and plays that wing back role. Uh, if that's not the change, then maybe a Daly Ali slides in there too. And you've got Richarlison and Daly Ali behind Dominic Calvert Lewin. It was just very tiresome seeing Gray Doggett be wasteful, Gordon be wasteful. I just, you know, they played three matches ago. You know, they're not on it. And I just, I don't know. That's, that's my thought. Now, maybe, maybe this speaks to what Nebula is saying here too. You know, James, I mean, that, that might be really what I'm saying. Yeah, we had Nebula nineteen seventy nine say uh, lack of imagination in our approach. That very well said. No reason to play such a conservative formation. Our only creative player marooned at wing back, like he's on an island, a literal island. Watford wide open in the middle, yet we attacked the flanks, waiting seventy five minutes for first sub and making only two. Delhi would have been ideal. Maddening, and maddening. It most certainly was. And then we had Jackson. Uh, at Jackson six seven eight seven nine seven zero nine, uh, maybe his phone number. I don't know. Said I understand Lampard <laughs> trying to go for tactical familiarity, but this Watford side lost their teeth to injury. Whatever teeth they had, they had like the one, the one front tooth still hanging on, and it got knocked out. Playing an uber defensive setup was not the play. Pros were DCL looked better, and maybe we see him start. But Gray looked awful, and I like Gray. Get Gordon off corners, please. Yeah, I have to admit, I kind of like what Super Rocket said here. Super Rocket at Rocket Nats. Now I remember why we're in this mess. We we suck. Is what he said. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I like that one a lot too. Word. Yeah, I mean, it's just God. But but that it's that type of thing where I think about us going to our last three games. Like we 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 still sucked, and now we right. have to actually. I mean, we're not. Not we're suck not against okay that, teams. Well, yeah. I mean, look, maybe we get fortunate and leads just die. So, so let's talk about this a little bit, what we got left in the table, where we're at in the table. And, um, maybe I'll give it a real quick look at kind of remaining fixtures, um, while you kind of yeah go through it, if you don't mind. Well, we got Southampton in 15th with 40 points. So if they don't pick up anything in theory, we could, you know, get past them. If you really, really fully aboard the optimism train, conducting the optimism train, if you will, will, and then, you know, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're now level on matches played with Burnley, but two points above them. 
they're probably safe. You've got Leeds on 34 points as well. Their goal difference is just preposterously bad. Um, and then, you know, Watford already relegated. So it's really just between us and Leeds. Somehow Burnley could, I guess, get drawn back into the mix. And then you're worried because, you know, obviously Leeds isn't going to – the goal difference isn't going to come into play for Leeds, but it could come into play for Burnley. They have a t- better goal difference than us by two. So I don't know, Ryan. and and they ha- But they also have easier fixtures. We've got some not-so-easy well, ones. So let's on Sunday, basically the the morning game, the seven a.m. here in uh, Eastern Standard Time is Spurs Burnley, and so if you think about that one, and I think that's in uh, that's in Tottenham Stadium, so that's in the London Stadium. I mean, think you got to like Spurs' chances on that one. The big one for me though is Leeds at Ellen Road versus Brighton. Now we know Brighton's playing really, really well. Leeds took another red card today. Lovely. Uh, wasn't quite the sprawling ridiculousness of Luke Ayling, but hey, um, that's the big one for me, because if Brighton can go in Ellen Road and beat them, that puts them on 34 points um, with only one left, and if we only get a draw, it's over, and yep. we're good, and so, you know, if we could somehow eke out a draw against Brentford at home, it could be all locked up, but look, if Leeds win that match, bad things can happen. And I think that's why I really wanted, because if we would have taken two more today at 38 points, I mean, come on, you know? Um, I'm free. But look, I, I, right, it's a big one. And then look, at the remaining fixtures, look, you've got Burnley Villa. They could do some damage in that one also. We've got Palace at home, so we got another chance to finish it up before next Sunday. And that happens on Thursday. So um, we'll see how it goes. You know, Leeds have Brentford too. Uh, we have our, our path in our hands, you know, but we're going to know a lot by you know 2 p.m. or so eastern standard time after this sunday and maybe things break right for us but yeah i'm gonna have my eye on that leeds bright match for sure no question about it it is going to be i think a very nervy weekend and fingers crossed we can all come out the other side with a massive massive and deserved sigh of relief but we will of course be with you following the match against Brentford. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. We appreciate you very much. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on social media at USA toffee pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, again, links in the description or at linktr.ee slash USA toffee pod. That's L I N K T R dot E slash USA toffee pod and join our discord invite.gg slash ATP. I think that's like our fifth Discord plug this episode, so I don't know what else we have to do to convince you, but you should definitely join. That's all for today. Until next time, up the toffees.